Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown, this post-Christmas edition. Uh, hope you didn't get any coal, even though Vikings fans did. I'm here with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. I'm Joe Overlay from uh, Vikings Territory and Purple PPTSD. Uh, Mark, before I go forward with our agenda, plan agenda, I got to tell you, I just saw a little video on my Twitter feed saying that today is the 46th anniversary of the push-off, I mean the Hail Mary play in uh, uh, Vikings versus Dallas from 1975, and they had a little video of of, uh, of Pearson and Staubach watching it and talking about it. And Ooh. Uh, Pearson, or they run it back, the little video part I saw. Well, by the way, what you're hearing here is the Bumpuses have come to visit my house. They're Four dogs in the other. Joe, street. I make all kind. I make all kinds of efforts to get my dog to be quiet. Now you, you, have you lost the locker room? Have you lost the? Uh, I should say, have you lost the kennel? Absolutely. Do we have to replace you? Absolutely, you have. Proceed. Uh, anyway, I what what Pearson does? He's he, he's running, but he goes hold it there, and he stops. He goes look at me. Go back to the uh, when they're lined up for the play. He flinches on a wide receiver. He 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 Stop. moves. Total offsides, and he goes, "Look at that! They could have called that." Let's <laughs> go, oh my God! And Roger Staubach says, "Oh, I don't know why you brought that up." Yeah, right, Roger. You don't know why we, you know, we should be bringing up the push up anyway. What, bring this what was that? Was was that reviewable in 1975? Was that reviewable with 20 different cameras? No, it wasn't. It just no. Great. I bring I bring that up to. Uh, to try to avoid the pain that we have to talk about here with the Vikings' latest debacle versus the Rams, with well, you know they were they were sitting at the, before the game started with the seventh, you know, the seventh playoff position. All they have to do is win their games, and this one was a winnable game. And they they gagged on it as usual, like uh, me with some Thanksgiving turkey, and um, uh, it's gone. It's over. It's probably season's over. Mark, what do you think of what you saw at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday? Uh, I mean, I saw I saw Matthew Stafford play the worst game that I've seen him play and uh, hand the game to him, but they refused to take it. Um, puzzling, you know. I, I agree with uh, with them, you know, saying that they they're flat. Especially saw it in the defensive line. Uh, just a you know, at one point they had two touchdown drives. Total the, the total length of their two drives were uh, were were nine yards. Uh, so. And one of them had to be a field goal. Um, you know, let's put it this way. If they go to Green Bay and they play flat, and they set, first time they settle for a field goal in the red zone, if they get a turnover, which I don't think they would with, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to have that type of game. Uh, but the first time they settle for a field goal in the red zone at Green Bay against that team, they will, they will, it'll, it'll be over and they possibly could get blown out. Um, I saw uh, your post game col- column where you wrote about it. And I was thinking the same thing I was watching, that that punt return for the touchdown was just a pivotal play. But I, I went back even fur- further a little bit. Two plays before that when Brian O'Neill gets the offside. They have third and four, manageable manageable third down. And uh, uh, Brian O'Neill, who hardly gets any penalties all year long, uh, gets a, gets an offside or, you know, a false start. And they pan over to Zimmer on the sidelines. He's just got his head down and his hands on his knees, you know. Well, what happens next? They have third and nine. Uh, Kirk scrambles for it. He's got cracked ribs, so he doesn't dive through the guys blocking him from a first down and kind of goes down short. 
punt and punt return and game is completely changed. It was uh, uh, an amazing sequence that uh, really kind of sealed it for the Vikings. Yeah, and then believe it or not, that was the, the first of uh, I think it was their first penalty. Uh, right. So they only they only had two penalties. One of them is on Harrison Smith after uh, uh, the punt, uh, a fifteen yard run sports like conduct that ended up where they they do a drop kick. I uh, haven't seen a drop kick for a while uh, down to the two yard line, and, and Gallman has to field it. Um, so yeah, you only have two penalties, but that wasn't that was obviously a huge penalty because because the next play, Cousins had Cousins of course is pressured, has to take off running, he gets seven yards uh, on third and nine. I mean, yeah, that uh, that that sequence there, uh, and then how they completely botched the uh, punt the punt coverage uh, was to me that was it. I mean, that was you're back in the game. This uh, this flat you know, lifeless feeling kind of came, came to life, uh, didn't reappear until it was too late. Uh, but you're in that pivotal moment of the game and the special teams of, which has been a strength this year, right. Uh, right. blew it. And, you know, so, but I'm not saying I'm pinning it all on the special teams, but I like to write about when things go one way or the other. And that to me, that was it. And uh, it was pretty obvious. Real quickly. What did Harrison Smith do? We never saw it on the broadcast. You know, I, I I don't know. I didn't see it. Um, we did. It wasn't. It was, you know, Zimmer wasn't asked about it. Uh, of all the, the many things you need to ask, you know that uh, I I don't know what he did because I I watched it back. I did. I watched the condensed version. The so I, I don't, honestly don't know. Was he on the field? I, you know, I don't think he would have been. But ah, uh, yeah. uh, but you know, I I don't have the answer. I, I'm gonna find out this week. Uh, I'm sure yeah. that there's people that already know, but. Uh, you know, it, I'm sure he was frustrated like some of the other players that were frustrated with how flat things were. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, special teams uh, uh, snafu. And that even, I think last week they had a, a big mistake too, and they had been a strength all season. They were the one thing from week to week, except for a missed kick here or there, that was just solid coverage, uh, punting, uh, field goals, um, everything. And it just seemed um, – just out of place to have something like that it was the only second, only the second punt return for a touchdown this year, and in the in the NFL, and so uh, it was it was strange, and it was it's one of those yeah. moments they didn't need that help. I mean, they they yeah, Matt Stafford tried to give the Vikings this game, and they, they didn't want to take it. They said, oh, let's let's blow it on special teams this week. It's our turn, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, special teams hasn't been perfect. They gave up the. Punt block uh, for a touchdown, I think, against Carolina that right. made that that a, clo- a closer game than it should have been into overtime. Uh, you know, there was the, a missed field goal that was for this guy as a chip shot against uh, Arizona. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's last week. Yeah, right? yeah. And there's kind of a you know, it was a tip punt that went 17 yards. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when Nwangu came back and uh, he's a special kick returner, he has two kick returns for touchdowns. They've been good on coverage. Uh, in that situation, it, it all fell apart when uh, you know uh, Chisna gets overruns it, and they use the momentum against him and shove him past the returner. And at that point, he's got eight to ten yards between him and CJ Ham. CJ Ham gets walled off. Troy Die gets walled off, and then there's nobody outside the numbers on that side. And it's just I agree with the kid, the punt returner who said I, you know, I had the easy job on that on that ah. play. And then when Nwangu misses him in like in the 20, 
and now he's got as the punter. Punter had no chance. Uh, it was, you know, we saw one of those perfectly walled play. I think uh, Marcus Sherrill's had a, a kick return, a punt return for a touchdown in Chicago or something. that was perfect. Kind of reminded me of that. It was just a perfectly blocked and also kind of just a lazy effort on the Vikings part. We had, uh, we used to do that kind of thing for punt returns in high school. And uh, I was a tight end. So we had to sit there and do this phantom blocking in, in a wall and have our, you know, for practice, you know, and have our running back run behind it. I got so sick and tired, but I decided to go try out for punter after that. So not, not a big fan. Yeah. Of yeah. There was one block uh, that, uh, you know, Viking fan, I'm sure when they went back and did the uh, Zapruder, uh, Zapruder or whatever, frame by frame by frame, where a, uh, a, a, a block, I forgot, get the, the numbers, but I, I, writing about it, I went back and watched it real closely. Uh, and there's one where it could have been a push in the back, could have been a, you know, you see that all the time on, on return, on special teams plays. It kind of goes, and then a the guy throws his arms up immediately, which I think almost draws attention to you. But, uh, you know, that that's a penalty, could have been a penalty there. So it's just like Drew Pearson 46 years later saying, well, they could have called that. Did you throw the orange? The orange that comes in late. Did you uh, on that? Uh, have you ever seen that part of the the yeah. push off? I always are the non flag. Was that was that from you? I wasn't Section at the game. Three? My brother was. I wasn't at that game. I but that, I always see that thing that flash across the screen, and I think, is that a flag? No, you know, it's not. Anyway. Um, Kirk Cousins, he had to crack ribs. Uh, yeah, he's a gamer. He got out there and played. Uh, you know, we didn't have to have uh, a press conference about his crack ribs like you do about Aaron Rodgers' toe. Um, but he uh, uh, it did. It seemed to hinder him a little bit. He had some throws behind players at times, but other times he had some great throws. I mean, that touchdown pass to KJ Osborne was gorgeous. Just across. The, the outstretched hands of the defender into his hands in the end zone, I, I thought was really nice. But, uh, you know, he's the lightning rod, so he's going to catch hell for this this loss and this this uh, uh, inevitable uh, end of the season. So uh, what did you think of Kirk Cousins on the day? Uh, it wasn't very good. I don't, I didn't think. I mean, the numbers, he had numbers, but a lot of too late. Now, I won't call him garbage because he did, you know, they were in, they put him back in the game, but it was too late. It's just too late. Um, yeah, so I, I want to say that's kind of some garbage stats, 300 yards. Uh, but I just, I thought he played, you know, too quick too. you know, you've, you've often, you usually bring it up first about being a little rushed, a little skittish. I don't know if skittish is the right word, but, um, you know, I, I, so I was thinking of this question. I, you know, I looked, I looked back and, you know, it's third and goal at the six in the third quarter. Um, and it's right after, uh, Don, they don't block Donald. Uh, and he dropped him for a loss on second and goal at the four, third and goal at the six. Cousins drops back. He's got time. And he looks front side, front side, front side. And usually Kirk, you know, being the methodical robot that he is, he makes it through all his progressions. Well, he didn't even look backside. Backside, he's got D.D. Westbrook wide open yep. at, the, at the goal line. And he doesn't even, doesn't one time turn his head to the left. Um, and so he, and he forces it to Madison. It's incomplete. And then they kicked the field goal, and uh, I, I was that that made it uh, maybe twenty to ten or something, or twenty to thirteen. Uh, so yeah, it's he's not the reason they lost, but he he's just didn't play well enough. And uh, so I don't know if it's uh, 
it's to me, it's like the, the, the Kirk Cousins jinx. The minute that I write, one of us writes something, I think, that's a little more positive about Kirk. Kirk goes the other way. If he writes something negative about Kirk, he comes out and has a fantastic game. So he's just this, you know, kind of like the team. He's up, he's down. And uh, he's not the reason, but he's also could have been a reason why they, you know, beat, beat could have won and beat Stafford on a day when Stafford begged to be beat. You're right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that play. I mean, that I, I watched it too, and I saw how Didi was breaking open. I didn't know who it was on the left. And looking at the right, he had he had Madison over there, who even if he got him the ball, had no chance of scoring. He would have gone, ran out of bounds, well short of, of the line. And behind that was another player. I think it was Jefferson double cover. Can't throw it in there. Yeah. Back left, also he never looked. You're right. It was like I'm going here, and 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 does that come out of nervousness? Is is that come out of like you said? You made a great point. They they didn't block uh, Aaron Donald. Sometimes he he anticipates, you know, pressure that might not. Yeah, happen. and I and and sometimes I wonder whenever the offensive line performs poorly, how you uh, avoid that. You know, I mean, having not played the position obviously, and never at the, you know at the level he plays it, but. How do you how do you uh, adjust for that? How do you how do you make yourself not have slow? How do you slow your clock down? Uh, you, the head in your head, um, and clearly he. I think he's looking front side, and he feels he has no chance to look back to his left. Uh, and there's two receivers there, and I think the one they were kind of bunched, so it's maybe not the best design in the world. But Dee Westbrook is right there with you know. That even if he throws it and someone makes a move on the ball, that it, if it's a good throw, it, it's he catches it at the goal line and probably falls into the end zone. Um, you know, this is all hindsight. This is watching the game from a mile away. It's watching the replay. But in his where he's at and in his career and where he's at in his ability, it's a play that has to be made. And and uh, if he misses it, then he deserves to be criticized for it. Yeah, it's 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 a. Uh, uh... Um, it's it's a pocket presence, I guess they call it, where where some people can just feel everything around them and what they can do in them, either to make a move to to extend it or or look a certain way, or they really have that clock in. And I don't think he innately has that ability. I mean, you see Rodgers. I was watching Rodgers last week. You know, they're they're you know the other teams coming back against them. That guy never looks rattled. He just dances around in the pocket. He knows where everybody's going to be. He looks so relaxed, and then he has that cocky smirk on his face afterwards that I want someone to wipe off. But uh, it, it, it's it's such a difference in demeanor that you can even see. I mean, they got cameras that get you right in their face. Kirk has always got this panic, this 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 tensity, this this you know uh, foreboding demeanor where the, he thinks the world is or the pocket is crashing around him, and I. It, it, it's it's innate. It, in, in in addition to a great arm, in addition to a good head, in addition to uh, having uh, d- decent enough legs to move around, you've got to have that to really play at a lethal level in this league. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a matter of consistency. I mean, uh, we were sitting here five weeks ago after the Packers game, and we were talking about a Kirk Cousins won a shootout with Aaron Rodgers throwing for what four touchdowns, three hundred eighty-five yards. Kirk Cousin wins that shootout. Mike Zimmer could, could he have called a better clock management at the end of that game? Remember that the, yep. you know everything was perfect. Um, where the difference is, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a rare in this 102 year history of this league. He's a, a rare talent, 
and uh, you know he's 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 Aaron Rodgers, and this this one's Kirk Cousins, and uh, you know Kirk gets more pressure than Aaron Rodgers, but Kirk also could uh, could be a little bit more like the guys that know how to slide at the right moment. Yeah. You, know, you know, Aaron also still has the mobility that Kirk probably uh, Kirk can get out and move. I mean, so right. he should be able to be able to do that. But you know, ten years into the league as a, and then seven in as a starter or whatever it is. This is who he is. So you you've got to protect him, and, and that's it. If you can't protect him, then this is what you got. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got a uh, broken toe, so he can't move too well. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I said I, I think I said on Twitter that Favre, you know, this is how the NFL has, has come. You know how far the NFL has come. Favre would have cut the thing off at halftime. That's right. That's right. That's a great point. Uh, we could go on Kirk Cousins all day, but that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. They're going to talk about him as much as they talk about Zimmer and Spielman and everybody else. So going down the list a little bit. I, You know, the big matchup uh, in that game was Justin Jefferson versus uh, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Uh, uh, great, a great cover corner who was in his pocket most of the game. Uh, Jeff. Justin beat him a few times, but you know, not enough to 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 make a difference in the game. And I and I, I think we really saw how important it is to have, uh, if we didn't know it already, to have someone like Adam Thielen out there who can take a little bit of the pressure, gives Kirk a safety blanket to go to that he can really trust and know where he's going to be because it was great route running. To have Adam Thielen out there when there's a shutdown corner taking away your best your best guy. Um, you know, uh, everybody's singing the praises of Justin Jefferson uh, breaking a record. You know, most uh, receiving yards in the first two years in 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 the league. You know, beat uh, pass Moth, any pass OBJ. But you know, um, the key factor here is to do enough to help your team win. And I don't know if we got that out of Justin Jefferson. He's got to beat that guy, so you know, a few times to to help out the offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. It, we saw a good example against Green Bay. What what it when you have two guys like that playing at, at a high level, um, you know, Jefferson had what uh, eight for one hundred and sixty nine and two touchdowns against the Packers. But they only won by three points. And one reason he had a big game that day is because Thielen goes eight for eighty two and a touchdown. Wow. And we saw how they how they worked together in that one red zone play we t- we broke down where uh, Thielen you know guys go with Thielen and. Jefferson comes out of the backfield and is open. Um, yeah, that's whenever you know. Whenever you praise uh, Jefferson, it, to me, it's like a co-praise of you know maybe sometimes while the offensive line's playing, but also Thielen on the other side. I mean, people forget that, that, that Thielen. I think he misses those two two plus games, almost three full games. You know, has ten touchdowns, still leads a team in touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a combination, and KJ Osborne has been fantastic as a third receiver. I think DD Westbrook, as we saw, he should have had a touchdown on Sunday. He could be a good fourth receiver, um, you know. But it takes you know Jefferson can do a lot on his own, but it sure does make it nice when you got those two guys, especially in the red zone. And that's uh, red zone was a big red zone was a huge problem. Good point about KJ. He did let one of those slide through his hands that turned into an interception. Yeah, got- that was. Uh, one of two key drops there. Dantzler drops that interception. They go score a touchdown. Vikings come back, I think, or whatever. Um, maybe the turnover, whatever. And it's third down, and, he, and and Cousins puts it on his hands, and it goes through his hands, and it's interception. So 
there's a lot of context that has to be in all these interceptions and all these right. different, uh, like like uh, Stafford threw three, but he should have had four. It, it, it's amazing in this game more than than a lot of others, but you know probably in all sports, but this one especially how one one play that's either made or not made leads to something else, to something else, to something else. We talked about the punt return, the, the offsides that, you know, led to that. Well, you know, that, 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 that missed, uh, those two drops you talk about led to something else that, that, that just, uh, hurt the team. It, it, it's amazing how football is like that, that things can still build. And when someone say we didn't make enough plays afterwards, well, there's, there's some truth to that, you know, make, make some of those plays and the, and the game can really turn around quickly. Yeah, I mean it's it's what makes it you know to me that and golf. I uh, couldn't couldn't pick two two absolutely or opposite games, but that's why I like the two of them. Uh, you know the Packers game, Cousins gives them the lead, and then you know, everybody's excited. All of a sudden, next play, seventy-five yard touchdown for Aaron Rodgers. Uh oh, we're you know they're going to lose, and then they come back, they they drive down, they get the field goal. So everything just plays off each other, and um, it would be nice to see. I enjoy it when the Vikings win or lose. Are able to to trade punches to you know what what probably is the most deflating thing of watching a game and just how a game just devol just sinks down to a this slop fest is when you get a great play by an Anthony Barr. Um, we saw it earlier in the season where he had an interception and they they blew it. Um, but you know you get a great intercept or it wasn't a great interception this time, but the last one was a couple weeks few weeks ago. But this one, you know, he, he gets, you know, you get those plays and then you have to kick a field goal. You're kicking, when you're kicking 23 yard field goals, two, three plays after a, after a huge <laughs> stadium erupting play, it's, it's awful. And it, and that just can't happen. And that's why there are seven and 18. Yeah. You tweeted, I saw your tweet during the game said, if you're going to be t- taking field goals against the, uh, one of the best uh, offenses in the league, it's not going to last. You know, yeah, and you just see it all the time, and uh, or when you're chasing, you know, two points and stuff like that. It's just, you know, you've got to keep pace. And then, you know, the Browns saw that. You know, they, they throw four. You know, Baker Mayfield plays like crap. Throws four interceptions, and the Browns are right there. You know, he threw three, and then they're right there, and he throws a fourth to seal it. And it's like, you know, man, you just you got to be, uh, you got to be perfect, almost perfect to beat him. And the Vikings. You know, frankly, have done it the past two times they played them. You know, they've they they they've won with, you know, w- really decimated defensively last year in uh, at Lambeau when there was no fans, and then they beat them this time. So they're capable of winning, but they, you know, they can't be kicking field goals and you know having holding penalties and and false starts on third and four in your own area. It's just. Uh, Got to be near perfect to, to beat that guy. Right. Uh, we spoke a little about Justin Jefferson. What did you think about his comment afterwards that's getting a lot of play that uh, he said uh, um, that he wished the offense would be more aggressive in the red zone, but he goes, but I don't call the plays. And it, Yeah, it, I mean, I, I asked I asked a few of those questions. I, I didn't ask uh, Courtney uh, Cronin asked the one about the red zone. Uh, and that kind of opened, uh, opened it up. It, it, to me, it was uh, in today's world and today's uh, – uh, media where you're sitting there and you're, you know, you ask questions, you already got the answer in your head because you know what they're going to say. They've been coached on the way up to the podium. They've been, you know, they've had it drilled into their head going back to their major college experience, going back to, you know, their head coach in the NFL telling them not to say anything. And when a guy answers something truthfully, honestly, and has 
you know, a thought provoking answer. It's you almost like want to pick yourself off off the ground and go, wow, I, uh, did, I, what, did I hear this? I mean, we were so excited uh, in preseason one time. Uh, I think Wyatt Davis, you know, someone said, where are, we gonna, where are you going to play? Where are they lining you up at? And he saw a right guard. And we all went, wow, you know, wow. Can you believe he actually said where he actually spoke the truth? And so they probably hooked, they probably hooked the electrodes up to his earlobes and, uh, and took care of him. But uh, that's why, in fact, that's what I said. I said, oh, you know, uh, Justin's going to be getting some shock therapy, I think, after this one. And, you know, I, I think I asked him about a throw with Vic Kirk made, and he said it was behind me. It was, uh, or, so he's, there was some honesty there in seven minutes is probably the best interview um, podium or group interview we've had all season because I agreed with him, you know, and uh, you just get so tired of the insincerity. And uh, there was a, you know, what he's talking about, like um, they get, they get a turnover and then it's a handoff up the middle. And then there's uh, it's uh, one of those red zones. And then the second play, the Rams, the Rams know what they're going to do. The Rams do a run blitz. Cousins, I think, has time to maybe check out of it or something. But he turns and he hands off, and the defender almost is meeting him at the ball with Madison, and it's a loss. And then the th- then, then the next play is the throw. So it's terrible run up the middle, terrible run up the middle against the run blitz, which the Rams know what's going on. And then it's throw it to KJ, and it goes off his hands for an interception. Right. So – yeah, I mean, I, I agree with him, and, and um, I think I think a player should. I mean, he didn't come out and rant and rave. He he spoke he spoke it respectfully. I thought he said it. He added the the you know I it's my job to to play and all this. So he said I don't I didn't see it as this controversial thing. I saw it yeah. as a guy that should be should be allowed to a star player that should be allowed to say something at least that is you know what we all saw you know. And to me, so I didn't have a problem with it. I encourage it. I would love to see more guys do it. I don't think that'll happen. You know, Zimmer came back yesterday and said, oh, you know, that didn't matter to him that, you know, it's just a guy being frustrated. Justin's yeah. a you know, great team player, which I do think Justin Jefferson is, a, is, a, is not a Stefan Diggs. And I don't think he'll ever be that way. But I think it's important that they do keep a guy like that happy. I'm not saying, you know, Randy ratio or anything like that, but you know, see what he's saying, because you know, this guy also is, is knows football in addition to being able to play football at a great level. So um, so I agree with him. I, I appreciated it and uh, didn't see it as a big deal. It's not the Randy ratio. It's the just-in-time production. I remember we – That's right. Um, Have you trademarked that yet? Not yet. I got to get some more pub behind it, you know, before I do that. Uh, um, speaking of which, Mankato Brewery. Um, uh <laughs> Twenty six fifty nine. Justin Jefferson, uh, he maybe this is just an example of why he won the Corey Stringer Award earlier this week, huh? The the media good guy award for Corey Stringer. Did you vote for him? Does he like? Uh, no, no. I <laughs> in fact I was joking that um, I my first presidential election that I was old enough to vote in. I it was nineteen eighty four. And uh, I was misguided back then, Joe. I voted for Mondale. And uh, so I voted for my two most – so I, the, I was the only person who voted for Kirk Cousins. So, and, I'm, I, and I might have been the only person that voted for Walter Mondale outside of the state of Minnesota. So, um, you know, I, I sort of have uh, – I, I don't like this award in today's – I mean, in the COVID era because – 
you know, Corey, you know, it's named for Corey Stringer. I didn't cover Corey, but I, I heard all the stories. I actually covered him a little bit in some uh, state playoff games in Ohio when he was a prep player. Um, but I know all about him. I know his history. Um, to just have basically Zoom slash group interviews now, and you, know, you have the occasional one-on-one that you get. Um, I don't know. It's I think it's it's an Corey is so much more was so much more above what 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 the NFL is feeding us yeah. right now that um, you know I think I voted. Uh, it's it's also hard to vote because you know, anybody who comes to the podium, if they bring you to the, I mean, Kirk was a steady guy coming to the podium. I thought that he tried. Uh, others didn't may not have felt the same way. They may you know the vaccination stuff uh, early in the season uh, that interview probably held against him, but. You know, I voted who I felt I th- thought should have won and uh, was soundly defeated, Joe. <laughs> but, uh, but Jefferson has been, you know, fun and sort of playful, some different things at, at the podium. And so uh, he seems like a good kid. Um, unfortunately, the media, and I, and I hope that the NFL, I have my uh, doubts. I hope the NFL would get us back a little more to normal uh, when this all clears. But uh, I think they like the control that they have. Um, I'm afraid we'll never see the inside of a locker room again, which is unfortunate because I think it hurts the fans. You know, fans will say, oh, you don't need to be in the locker room. Oh, you don't need this. You don't need that. Well, we're there for them. You know, we're there for the, to tell the stories that maybe, uh, you know, it, the team isn't going to tell on itself or, or uh, NFL Network's gonna, not going to report on. Or, you know, just so I think that uh, it needs to get back to that, but I have my doubts. Ah, hell, COVID's going to be over in two weeks, or at least by Easter, or maybe this summer, whatever Trump said. Anyway, um, that's my rebuttal to your misguided comment earlier. Uh, let's see. Even though you didn't vote for Trump, I know that. No, uh, no, I'm not, I don't. I consider him a, a, a separate entity. To that's right. Conspiracy. Cons- there's, yeah, that's another another podcast, Joe. Yes. Turnovers, uh, three turnovers. You know, they won the turnover battle again. It's the fifth game this season. The Vikings have won the turnover battle and lost. What the heck? You know, Mark, uh, I, I just come to the point that these guys are not good enough. They're just not good enough. They can play with anybody, but that doesn't mean they can beat everybody just because you can play. Because if you're getting those kind of gifts, and and Stafford was serving them up on a platter. I mean, he was – he was Stafford during the Detroit Lion days when he was either whatever his problem was. He was afraid of the, the rush coming in on him. But he played like we had seen him uh, many times. You know, we've seen him in his good days in Detroit, but we also saw him like yeah. that. And my 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 son and I were watching the game, and he and I were going against each other in fantasy football. And he had Stafford, and I had Cooper Cup. And, and we looked at each other that first the first throw he threw, he made him go. Oh my God, maybe it's going to be bad Stafford. And it was, and they still lost. And this team's just yeah. not good enough to, 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 to take advantage of that. Why not? Why not? I mean, he was beyond bad Stafford. Uh, and we saw, you know, Stafford, uh, there was some streak of some co- amazing comebacks that he had against, uh, I believe it was early in Zimmer's time. But yeah, it's, it's consistency. It's, um, it's getting, it's getting an inter, it's getting an interception, and then having a sack on the next play. It's getting an interception, and then, um, you know, not blocking Aaron Donald uh, in, on second and goal from the four. Uh, on that play, you know, Tyler Conklin blocks out. Christian Derisaw blocks down. The guy in the middle that no one paid any attention to is 
one is probably the best three technique in the history of the NFL. And I don't get it. They didn't treat him any, they, they treated him like another guy. Um, yeah, there, there was a couple plays and then granted, I mean, they also didn't have the, the skill level to handle this guy's power and moves. And I mean, if you look at him and how he's put together, he could play linebacker. I think he could play safety. Sometimes he's just as, you know, powers, uh, quickness, uh, everything. So there were plays where Udo, Udo couldn't get, couldn't, didn't know, wasn't a power thing. Udo went this way and the guy hopped that way and went around him. Um, yeah, I think he had a tackle for loss on the first play. So yeah, it's, um, it's making a great play. Uh, and actually what a bars one play, he's, uh, did he need to, to, to fall down on that play? Um, he keeps his feet. I think the announcer might have made reference to that. Keeps his feet. He might have walked into the end zone. So it's it's just well, being way, able to fit. Game, the way this the defense hangs on to uh, interceptions, it was probably good that he went down to make sure he got that pick. Well, yeah, it's like whenever he was asked about his interceptions, he goes, "Well, you know, I one was thrown right to me, and the other one was tipped by Dalvin Tomlinson." And, he kind of shrugged, like, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is you caught yours. Dantzler drops his. Dantzler's was thrown right to him on the third play of the game. <clears throat> on the third play of the game and uh, drops it. And then six plays later, whatever it was, they score. Um, you know, and that's after, you know, two minutes into the game, we have a 10-minute delay to, to, uh, to review of whether the ball was, you know, three inches this way or three inches that way. Uh, so you put all the effort is put into like, you know, oh my gosh, we, you know, we're not going to give up this first down or, you know, we're going to, we're going to throw a flag to, to get, to fight over these three inches of, of plastic grass. And then a play later, you get a gift thrown into your hands and you drop it. So, you know, that's, that, those are the things that happen, uh, that, that just, they're, they, they have continually, as everyone knows, the big, the, the, what will be remembered about this season is just how they could not finish. They were good, but couldn't finish. Yeah. Zim must be trying to get his challenge stats up uh, for his resume. Oh, God. Sorry. Was that all? I shouldn't have said that. Um, Anthony Barr, you spoke to him. What do you, what do you think's uh, the future for him? I mean, he's got a big contract, and and uh, this this team's going to have to make some changes in the offseason. Do you think uh, – where do you think he goes? What what, what, what what is his future like? Because he's playing much better now than he has been earlier this season, you know, of course he was injured. But. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he, you know, he's, he's playing better. Um, his value a lot of times has been in just his, I mean, he knows the defense as well as Zimmer does. So a lot, obviously a lot depends on uh, not just him, but a lot of players is this, this is, is this coaching staff coming back? Um, I don't think that bars coming back either way. Just, I think he's, he's probably he's too expensive. I think that last contract was, probably was too expensive uh uh to get him and you know it'll probably be time to move on um but that could be we could be saying that about a lot of guys you know these next two weeks you know to me it's still you still let it play out i mean if they win if they beat green bay then you know we're back to where we were like you know then you got to you know say they beat green bay and then they lose to chicago at the end that might be the ultimate way to finish this this yeah. roller coaster yeah. of a season because you that. will have if, if if that happens, you will have you will have beaten Green Bay twice. You won it at Soldier Field. You you beat Seattle and Russell Wilson, and you still you know 
You split with Chicago and you split with Detroit. A um, couple real quick line questions first. What happened to the run defense? Sony Michelle, come on. It's not Dalvin Cook. He's not uh, Derrick Henry. You know, Sony, Sony Michelle beats him up for like 130 or something because they couldn't pass the ball. Stafford was, you know, uh, channeling uh, his lion days uh, in the first half anyway. So, what? you know, we had all our guys out there. We had uh, uh, Tomlinson. We had Michael Pierce. We had uh, some defensive linemen. And you you said it earlier that they were – they were just not uh, uh, motivated or whatever, and they were kind of flat because that, that was that was the line that you, that's been going great guns all season, uh, harassing a quarterback, and and now you had your your run defense, and then it was just gone. I couldn't believe it. There's nothing there. Yeah, I mean the, the defensive line was awful. Uh, you know, one of the worst games of the year. I mean, uh, flat, lethargic, terrible. Pearson, Tomlinson, and Watts. Watts played a lot too, so he just wasn't just the two star guys. Um, you know, they looked half asleep, you know, and, and DJ won them. I mean, we, we were singing, we were putting him in the hall of fame six days ago for three sacks. A lot of those had to do with Justin Fields being a very green rookie, but you know, DJ won them two days before this game started. The left tackle is uh, Andrew Whitworth, a 40 year old guy with 240 starts in his career. He's PFF's number one pass blocking tackle. Okay. So he gets COVID, he's out, or he's on the COVID list. They move their left guard to left tackle. They move uh, their backup center to left guard. Second quarter starts, their center gets hurt. So the left guard goes to the center. Uh, the left tackle goes to left guard, and they bring in a rookie, undrafted rookie from Iowa, Alaric, uh, I forget his first or second name. Uh, he comes in, he's got nine career starts, and the guy – dominated DJ Wonham. He, he uh, DJ Wonham had one pressure. DJ Wonham didn't have many, many tackles. Uh, there was a third one late in the game where they needed to stop. This guy shoves him out of the way. Um, that's not to pick just on him, but the defensive line was terrible. And they've, they, they've, you know, they've played some really good games. They've played above their heads a lot this year uh, after they lost their two edge rushers. But this was a just a bad performance by the defensive line, and also something that the that the Rams did. I don't know if it's what other teams have done, but you really noticed it with the Rams was their receivers got involved with sealing the edge. Cooper yeah. Cup, uh, I'm not sure what his reputation is as a blocking receiver, but he was really good in this game. Um, and the Packers, you know, maybe the Packers do some more of that. Um, I don't know that the Packers have to because their quarterback's not going to be throwing. You know, three plus interceptions. So um, it was a combination, but I think it started with the defensive line, just sleepwalking through the game. You know, that, that's, that's what I've always long said about this game. And my dad used to tell me uh, way back when, when the Vikings couldn't get over the hump and win a Super Bowl is because uh, uh, the emotional readiness for a game, you got to be physically ready. Can't be injured. You got to be mentally ready. Know what you're supposed to do, but you got to be emotionally ready to play these games. And, and uh, Bud Grant wasn't a huge motivator. You know, you, you know we've all had this talk about uh, um, uh, what, what was Barr was saying after the game. You got to be able to get up yourself. I mean, they, he made the the comment about the stadium being dead. I was going to ask you at some point here if if in fact it really was like they said. But uh, you've got to be ready to be. You got to be Everson Griffin <laughs> every play with your motor running and whatever on the defensive line. If you can't. Because that's that's where the games are won and lost is right there in the trenches. And if they're not 
if you're not firing up and trying to 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 you know knock that quarterback in the next week, you're, you're going to get beat more times than not, aren't you? Yeah, that's where they lost it. They lost it in the trenches. And you know, going back to all the Super Bowls, that first one, uh, you know, I wasn't old enough to study it uh, at that point. Uh, but you know, looking back on it and just what the history of the NFL, well, that was the year after the Jets had won the Super Bowl three and. You know, it was you know, it's a fluke. The AFL, you know, they can't do it again. And well, the Vikings were favored by whatever it was, 12, 13 points. Yeah, um, yeah. It was probably every bit as big of an upset, uh, but it was the second time it happened. So the, the Chiefs played lights out and dominated the probably the one the Vikings' best team. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's emotions. It's uh, and the Vikings didn't have it. And it's puzzling because this is not the first time we've talked about this in December or you know, not, not obviously not on this podcast, but in general, there was a few years back when they played Indianapolis um, when they were still in the playoff hunt and got, you know, got handled at home. So it's, uh, I don't want to say it's something that happens every year because every other year they've managed to make the playoffs, but it's something that um, is head scratching whenever you consider that uh, what's on the line. Okay, that's great. We've talked about Drew Pearson's push-off. We've talked about the Vikings' uh, Super Bowl losses, and uh, thankfully we didn't mention Hank Strand. Um, so I think that's a good note to stop on here because I need to go get some Grey Duck Black. I've had, I've had, we'll be right back with the next segment of Vikings Territory. Okay, we're back. We're back, Vikings Territory Breakdown. Uh, Mark Craig's with us, again, as always. He's our he's our good guy. He gets the good guy award uh, for this year to watch all those games and, and report on and break them down for us. But uh, uh, I wanted to ask you a quick question on the offensive line. They had a, uh, they had a chore set out for them like they do most, most games in the NFL, but certainly with Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller on the other side, and they didn't do so good. I, I, I saw you tweeting, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, about Earl Don, Aaron Donald busting through and almost unblocked to, 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 to tackle McAllister in the backfield. It's like maybe we should block that guy or something you said, you know. But uh, Yeah, I just uh, – you know, when I watched it, I just got this feeling that they didn't – I mean, I, I granted it. They got other players too. They got Leonard Floyd. They got Von Miller. They got some – some good players, but if you're if your number one attention isn't on that guy, then how do you expect it to not happen the way it did? Um, that 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 goal line play that I made that I referred to, you know, I don't know what they're saying. Th- Even if he, that Aaron Donald is uh, uh, the the play might have been off right guard. Aaron Donald is lined up over basically between the left tackle and the left guard. Well, like I said, the in uh, the tight end, he might have been like tackle tight end. So he's, he's, he's a little opposition. Um, the run is maybe a little bit away from that, but this guy has proven time and time and time again that he gets through and he makes those tackles. He makes those backside tackles. He, he's got to be accounted for, for gosh sakes. And, uh, you know, tight end blocks out, tackle blocks down, and he just hops, he shoots in like he's, I mean, he's quicker than, he's probably quicker than uh, than Madison. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a tackle in uh, – whatever other positions body that you want to you know, throw out there, he could do anything. And uh, so many times you just saw where uh, there was one play where, I mean, Udo got beat straight up numerous times and that's to be expected, but maybe some sort of double is, 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 yeah. is needed. There was one where he had a, like a stunt where he's, he's 
to the left side of the offensive line and he loops around and Udo, you know, identifies it, but he can't deal with the guy's moves and his speed and his power. Um, and that I think that was a pressure that was either incomplete uh, or whatever, but it's, yeah, he's, he's a game wrecker, but you know, when they played him uh, in 2018, uh, uh, he had 13 pressures uh, in that game. That was his career high, which he didn't break until like two or three weeks ago against Arizona. He had 14. So, uh, and that's when he was playing the, 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 the interior on that game in 2018, which they lost 38, 30, the Vikings lost 38, 31 in prime time out in Los Angeles was you had Elfline at center and you had Remmers at right guard and you had Tom Compton at left guard. So, you know, uh, they were bet their better interior. They, they should, uh, Udo's obviously really inexperienced, but, uh, you just have to like identify him block double him and then maybe have someone else worry about the single blocks out of their guys and this week uh udo's going on the, or went on the COVID list so that maybe means dakota dozier or uh, maybe wyatt davis i have no idea handling jerry clark from the ram so it's it's just gonna get uh possibly even worse on the offensive line huh well yeah i mean uh, they you know the way they close the season with hicks Donald, uh, Kenny Clark, Kenny Clark, and then Hick, then then Hicks again. Uh, so, you know, if Hicks is playing that last game and they need to win that game, I mean that guy, that guy is uh, one of the biggest players you'll see. One of the most um, you talk about energy. They, they needed to bottle Keem Hicks's energy and spread it through that defensive line on Sunday because. Um, I have a feeling that if Akeem Hicks was on this team and, and they were that flat, they, you know, they would have had to raise to their, to that level. Uh, they don't have, you know, and a lot of times I believe this stuff is, is overrated. Um, you know, having that vocal leader, but I do think that Everson Griffin, whenever he was in his prime and brought an energy that no one else brought because that was infectious because, you know, look at all their really good players. You know, Kendricks is, is a more of a quiet guy. Barr is certainly a quiet guy. Smith is a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll, I'll take talent over a rah-rah guy, but, you know, Everson has brought that that energy level. You know, Daniil's a twi- quiet guy. So uh, they had a, like, something there with that, and that was lacking big time. And, and for the players to come out and point it out before really anyone in the media brought it up is, uh, says a lot. They needed Carl Eller to come in and break some chalkboards. Yeah, uh, Carl Eller just hits you with that, you know, give you a good head slap, and uh, <laughs> that would uh, that would get him 15 yards, uh, a fine, thrown out of the league, uh, what was legal back then. If, they, if, they, if the Purple People leaders were all, would all be in jail right now for, for their on-field stuff uh, if uh, they played in today's game. Uh, one thing we didn't mention at the top that uh, because uh, he wasn't in the game, uh, but it's worth mentioning that uh, problem started this week with Delvin Cook being out with COVID. The other shoe dropped, and and it didn't belong to Cousins. I can only you know Delvin kind of got kind of skated on this. You know, hopefully he'll be back this week. But you know, uh, there's not a lot of criticism of him. But if Cousins had uh, missed a game oh. with COVID, it, it would have been. Uh, Hellfire rained down on him. 
Well, for sure. I mean, I think people are almost waiting for that. It's kind of a yeah. disturbed, uh, I don't know. I mean, I sometimes you base your view of life on Twitter, which is a bad thing to do because uh, that's not re- that's not reality. Um, the people that have one follower that's, they, you know, I think I'm mo- moving past this stuff, but uh, that, you know, upset people, it's like, you know, you know that's what it's one person. But yeah, I, th- I do feel, uh, but to me, it's like, yeah, he's, he's, there's always this, is he vaccinated? Is he not vaccinated? And granted, the vaccinated players can come back quicker. There's a chance for them to come back quicker. But we're seeing vaccinated, unvaccinated guys all missing games. Um, like I said, you know, uh, Cook was a blow. Uh, certainly changed the game, you know. Yep. But you could, you know, if the Rams had lost, if the, if the Vikings had taken advantage of the fact that their offensive line was shuffling pieces and, and, and basically – but he had a, had a had a undrafted left tackle, rookie undrafted left tackle with nine career snaps playing three three quarters of the game. That should have been taken advantage of, and that's what we'd be talking about is you know how the Vikings defensive line took advantage of that that COVID situation for the Rams. So both sides had COVID. Yeah, it's not a good deal, and it, it it's it's it seems to be ramping up even more as we head to these final two weeks. It it's going to have as much to do with uh, uh, how this crowded uh, NFL, NFC, AFC finishes out with with players that are in or out because of of COVID deals. So it's it's a uh, it's too bad, but that's the way it is. Um, Oh, we got to talk about uh, Zimmer's hot hot seat uh, that's been with him. In fact, earlier this week, you you created a little firestorm in that Twitter world when you asked uh, Zimmer about uh, his thoughts on the hot seat. Uh, what did you think of his answer when you asked him? Well, I, yeah, I think um, he answered it the way I probably would have answered it in a group setting like that. I mean, you know, if you the more you talk about, it, the more you give it life, the more you get picked apart. Um, so I think he was smart in answering it that way. Now, initially what my plans were, uh, and I had reached out to him and, and Bob Hagen to do a story on kind of Zimmer, uh, for the Sunday story about Zimmer sort of being a survivor, you know, he's, he's a survivor and how, you know, this is the hottest his seat's ever been, uh, you know, his thoughts on that and Zim, you know, passed, uh, didn't want to do it. So then we're in the press conference and, um, Hagen texted me and said, Hey, he, he said he, he doesn't want to do it, but uh, he knows the question's coming, you know, go ahead. So, you know, and I, I probably didn't ask it the way that I framed my, my thing to, to Zim, uh, my proposal to Zim. I, I focused more on the hot seat and that, and kind of like um, didn't really have time. Cause I think he started to answer it uh, at some point where yeah. it's like, Hey, you know, you've been a survivor. I mean, everything about this guy's personal life is, professional life he's found a way uh, he's and uh but now this this kind of looks like as a as all coaching careers go uh you don't all get the you know there's only one or two or three guys in the past uh 50 years to get the coach for the Steelers and have your 20 30 years and then retire so I I, I basically got to the point where it's just talking about the hot seat what's your feeling about the hot seat you and Matt Nagy da 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 and um, then he kind of said, oh, am I on the hot seat? And then I said, well, you know, and I, I, I can tease back and forth with Zimmer, I think. And I said, well, rumor has it, you are on the hot seat. And, and then I think he got, um, he said, well, I have no thoughts. And I don't think he was too happy with how I phrased it. And, you know, I probably didn't phrase it the best way, but 
you know, it's there. It, it, as he or all the players say, it is what it is. It's not me saying this. It's not me putting him on a hot seat. It's Vegas. It's every uh, announcer who's ever played this game and, and, and sees it. It's, it's common sense. It's, it's NFL logic. It is what it is. What it is. It's, every coaching uh, career has this run. And it feels like you know this one needed needs to get to the playoffs in order to extend itself. Uh, could be wrong, but um, experience tells you that he there's a hot seat that's very very hot right now. You know, it, it, it's funny. I was thinking today um, about this. You know, I, I still have uh, some appreciation for Zimmer, and part of the criticism that he's gotten, or or people that want him gone, talk about him being a a, a really good defensive coordinator and that's all he is. He shouldn't be head coach. And so his being a defensive guy informs his, uh, uh, the way the team goes, you know, while well, the offense has been out playing the defense lately. So that kind of runs me counter to that. However, what I was thinking about was uh, the golden child who the one who got away and from here and went to Cleveland and was the coach of the year last year. And now suddenly Things aren't so hunky-dory for Kevin Stefanski there. They're still hanging. They've still got a chance to make the playoffs, but they're hanging on by threads. And I, I don't know that it has that much to do with the offensive-minded Kevin Stefanski as much as it might be the quarterback who plays. And, you know, people that want to hang a coach and get rid of him never quite bring that topic up. They, they'll, they'll blame – the, the the GM for the people that are there rather than say, hey, these people are didn't do a job or didn't make a play or didn't. I mean, if, if you if you uh, the Vikings win, you know, what is it, 14 uh, one score games, if they win even a third of those, you know, uh, more, I should say, you know, win more than they lost. Like they we, we'd be in the playoff, they'd be in the playoffs and, and we wouldn't be having this such a vehement discussion about Zimmer's. Uh, uh, career here in Minnesota. So I, you know, I, I, I feel bad for coaches in that regard. You know, you can't fire the whole team, but so someone's got, someone's got to swing for it. And apparently it's, it's the coaches and the GM this year. And I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, it is what it is. Well, what, what I, what I will say is that, um, and, I, and I like Zimmer. Um, I think he's a good coach, um, but he can't say that he wasn't given enough time, you know, yeah. uh, Eight years. Eight years in today's NFL um, is an awful long time. Um, I mean, like Matt Nagy's going to lose his job. Matt Nagy, three years three years ago, was coach of the year. Um, Cleveland cycled through coaches every one to two years uh, for for a long stretch. Um, you know, there. Like I've said before on this on the podcast, their window was 2019, and that was that was the you got to win with Kirk and, and that last run with the experienced corners uh, and Daniil you know, coming up in his prime. They had enough young talent. They had enough older veteran talent on defense to do everything Zimmer wanted to do. They needed the offense to, to rise to the occasion, and um, they did. And they went, but it took too much energy to win that game in New Orleans. And they were spent when they went to San Francisco. And I think that's where the window closed and you're you're kind of hoping these next two years that you would uh, stumble onto something well they couldn't they didn't have they didn't have enough pieces and they and uh, but like you talk about you know, Zimmer just a defensive coordinator well you know they beat the Packers with 34 points 
five weeks ago. Uh, they had what the top uh, when Shermer was here, Stavansky uh, last year. I mean, they were they they scored points. Uh, it's not you know. I mean, he's. They were able to score points and play off it and play and be be good offensive. But the, where they where he fell short or is falling short is the consistency. It's not enough consistency yeah. to do it every year. Now there's been a lot of injuries. They've had freak injuries like Teddy uh, every other year. Um, Daniel losing Daniel back to back years like this. Um, but I think at some point. Everything kind of hit. Even Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati was given, I think he was 0-7 in the playoffs, was given 8 to 10 years or whatever before it just finally, the time is now. And I just don't, uh, I think if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's going to be a real difficult sell. Um, You know, I I could see them saying, you know, I could see Zimmer getting, coming back. I could see Zimmer making the playoffs next year. I could see him making a run in the playoffs next year. But I don't know that this market, this fan base would accept them to, to give him one more year if he misses the playoffs. Right. And that's, you know, what, you got to start thinking about your, uh, your ticket sales and your, you know, your, uh, you can't just be dug in and just never, never give in and, and change coaches because then you lose everyone. Uh, I think you need to show that, you know, that you're, <laughs> you just can't, every, every, every job kind of reaches that point where it's like, Oh, now it's now or or it's yeah. over, and I think they, I do think they need to make the playoffs. Or I, I I could be wrong, but I feel I do feel that way. Um, I've heard you say before how the Vikings or, or any team when when they have one style of coach, they they change and they react and they you know almost go the opposite direction. So I mean, conventional wisdom is going to say right now that they're going to get an offensive minded coach. I guess what I want to ask you real quickly is, um, do you? adhere to that, that one is better than the other, that they need to go offense because it's an offensive-minded league, but when, in fact, defense always wins championships, and that still holds true these days. Uh, um, do, you, do, you, do you think they, if they do move on from Zimmer or and or Spielman, that they got to go find the next great offensive mind out there and install him no matter what his credentials are? I don't know. I mean, do you, you know what I'm saying? You think that's how yeah. they would be? I think I think the first mistake you make in a coaching to, uh, hire is to say you're you're looking for X Y Z. You're looking for a good coach. You're looking for a guy that you believe is is a leader and, and and has got the things you're looking for. If you go out saying, "Hey, I need you know this offensive guy. I need a young offensive guy, or I need a a uh, no one's no one's looking for an old defensive guy anymore." But you know, I'm saying it's like if you start telling your, you know, if you start limiting the field, then, you know, it's just not going to work. I mean, like uh, the the Chargers went against the grain, uh, this recent grain last year by going with a, you know, a unknown guy who's had one year, well, had one year as Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, um, got a pretty good coach. You know, if they would have said we need the next young you know, Sean McVay, which we saw a run of, you know, we need the next Sean McVay's. Um, then you kind of run into problems. So uh, if it comes to that, you know, I think they need to look, they need, it's as much a leadership personality. It's, it's, um, it's what Mike Tomlin had, you know, it's hard to describe what it is, but he had it. Um, and, and Pitt and the, the most stable professional sports franchise in the world 
Uh, I'm not a soccer buff, so I don't know about soccer, but <laughs> at least in the NFL, identified that at, at 34 years of age, hired him, and you know the rest is history. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, maybe it's Zimmer's uh, mentality and his influence on the offense that really has got in the way because he he wanted to build a, a run first offense in a league that uh, that. Um, uh, demands you to pass the ball or it is trended that way and almost an anachronism where he he just flies against that idea a little bit too much even though he's had Stefan Diggs and and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and uh talented guys to throw the ball to and maybe just not the court I, I, I'm not gonna rip on Kirk because he's a decent quarterback but he's not a great quarterback but I mean maybe that's that's where Zimmer's fails his defensive mindedness fails because he wants the the grind it out offense and get his defense out there and, and shut him down and get it back and run down the clock and, and that kind of mentality. Do you think that's that yeah. that's accurate and that's going to do him in and in, in the end? Well, I, you know, I think I don't think enough enough is said about why Zim wants a run first and wants a Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin's not Adrian. Dalvin's a is a multi talented um, can is beat you in the screen game, can beat you in the passing game as well as a great runner. I think uh, what Zim wants and what he got whenever um, the offensive line was performing up to up to snuff is he got a running game that created play action passing. And I think someone a few weeks ago asked Zimmer about, hey, you know, everyone knows you're throwing to, to kind of throw to Jefferson. And how do you make it work? How do you throw it to a guy whenever everyone knows you're going to throw it and still make it work? And Zimmer said a lot of it's play action. A lot of it is. You know, they're looking at Dalvin Cook, and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, there's it's a complementary style where it may start with Dalvin, but it ends with Jefferson downfield. Now, that's a, it's a hard balance when you, if they had the Cleveland Browns offensive line, we wouldn't be talking about this. It would be, you know, because, you know, the <laughs> Kirk Cousins would look pretty good in a Browns uniform right about now uh, with that <laughs> offensive line and how Baker Mayfield is can't see the field and is throwing these little weak lollipops to the Packers, you know, Kirk wouldn't have been doing that. So it's a, it's a balance there between this run and pass. Um, and they just haven't been able to pull it off consistently because they haven't had the offensive line. You know, it's been, it's, they showed some flashes of playing well this year, but consistency is over a now a 17 game season just isn't there. Um, Yeah. I, we got to talk about the Packers real quick because it's a big game and it's coming up. But uh, you know we've already we've already hit on a number of things that are going to influence that or affect that game. But uh, I did want to ask you, uh, you know, do the Vikings have a chance of of shutting down? Not shutting down, but uh, you know, slowing down someone like Devontae Adams like they did Cooper Cup this week. When in fact, now that I think about it, and what we've said, it was more a factor of Matthew Stafford slowing down Cooper Cup than than the Vikings defense. Did you see anything on the way they played Cup? In fact, one time they had a defensive lineman covering him. Didn't work out so well. Uh, did you see anything they, that they did there that could help them this week against the Packers? Well, I mean, I, to me, I think Devontae Adams is you – know, I, I mean, there's so many great receivers, but I, I think I'd put him number one just because of how, you know, everyone knows – that he's the guy and it, the, the way he runs his routes, the way that he gets free at the line of scrimmage is probably as good as you're going to ever see. Um, you know, the last game he had seven catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns. 
but he got overshadowed. So I think this is a game where, um, sort of like the first one, exactly like the first one, you've got to outscore them. And I don't know that you can do that twice in one season, let alone do it at Lambeau, uh, prime time, you know, again, with that crowd and, and the fact that the Packers, you know, lost and they, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be hell to pay. And if the Vikings aren't ready for this one, uh, the Packers are going to really put it to them. You know, it, uh, the Vikings did come out flat last week. And in fact, we, there was, uh, was on camera before the game that Zimmer went in the huddle and kind of did the rah-rah speech to get him up. And Jeff, Justin Jefferson said that they were dead beforehand. If that, if they can't get up for this one this week with, with, you know, everything on the line here and it's the Packers, it's a rivalry game. And, and you know how much uh, Zimmer wants to beat Aaron Rodgers and play that chess game. If they can't do it this week, if they play, play flat, they're going to get their tails handed to them. But is that on Zimmer or is that on these players that are just um, at this point? No, I, I think that Zimmer certainly shares in that because we've seen it in the past. We saw it in that Indianapolis game I, I made reference to. Um, yeah, that's part of it. I think what Zimmer has is, I think the players are on record as saying that he is, he's treating them differently. He's not overworking them. And in, in the, in the later in the season, like maybe he was earlier on. Um, so it's a combination. It's on him. It's on the players. Um, I don't think they quit on him, but I think they were flat, which is not good for the coach. Uh, if they, and they're right. If they go to Lambeau field and the minute that they, are flat and they settle for a field goal in the red zone, Aaron Rodgers is going to put his foot on the gas and be gone. And uh, it's going to be embarrassing if they're not up to the task of, you know, I think they will be. I think that it's going to be, you know, going to be a decent game. I, I just, I see the Packers winning just because I don't see the Vikings doing this twice in one year. With, and, you know, uh, and, and for all Zimmer's flaws, are, are people, you know, want him gone yesterday? Um, right in the NFC North right now, he, what he has going against Aaron Rodgers is that's the only thing Aaron Rodgers that's concerns Aaron Rodgers in the least. I mean, he, he, (laughs) as he said, he owns Chicago. He certainly owns Detroit. He semi owns the Vikings. You know, Zimmer's got a little, Zimmer's the one holding the flag. there, trying to fight this guy with the last, uh, the last line of defense here. Um, if he, if the Vikings go in and win, you know, we're, we're singing probably a different tune on uh, next Tuesday, uh, but he won't be out of the woods yet. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I, I, I think uh, this is going to be a tough one for the Vikings to win because the Packers have everything to play for still. I mean, not everything, but they have home field advantage, and if they, they certainly want that to bring the NFC title game to their home field in uh, in January and see what anybody these Southern teams can do with it. But uh, what I'm hoping for is a really good game by – a lot of points by Aaron Rodgers, very few to Devontae Adams, you know, for personal reasons. And <laughs> I'll win for the Vikings, but I, so you, I, I don't think it's happening. So, you're, so you'll be a Packers fan on Sunday, what you're saying? Oh, no, I won't. I, I will not. Uh, uh, I, uh, generally, I, I'm in the fantasy football championship, and so I need to, I need some points from that the guy, uh, the guy with the broken toe. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, we will uh, take a break, quick break, and come back with our NFL insider and pick his brain to see what's going on. Uh, the season's getting down there, and this is the time to take a look at it. Come on back to Vikings territory breakdown. 
Okay, we're back for our final segment with NFL side insider Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, you know, it, it it's it's the craziest season this year, you know, with everybody so bunched. You know, it's starting to to weed it out, but uh there's still a lot of things that can change in these last two weeks, and it's been fun to watch each week how the Vikings are in, the Vikings are out, you know, blah, blah, blah. In fact, they're their playoff chances still exist, but they're like 12, 13, 14%. Uh, the 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 Saints lost last night, which helped them, but they have to win out, and uh, we need the uh, Eagles to lose one, and we can't have the Saints winning or be tied with us because they'll win in three. It's all this convoluted stuff, uh, but uh, in other words, the Vikings are basically dead. But uh, uh, what what do you see? What what do you think of what you see this week, and what what's uh, what? Uh, what do you think about the, how the playoffs are sorting themselves out? Oh, I mean, what the Eagles are doing is uh, is impressive. I mean, they're leading the league in rushing 165 yards rushing a game. They've got a streak of nine straight games where they've run for 130 yards or more. So I think the Eagles are a little ahead of schedule. I think that uh, – I don't know that Jalen Hurts is the, is the answer, but when you can run the ball like that, it travels well. Um it plays well in the playoffs. So if they sneak in, you know, some one of these better teams has got to try and stop that running attack, stop that quarterback from running. Uh, and they also, you know, while the Vikings go to Lambeau to take on the best team in the league, uh, Philadelphia gets Washington, which is done. Washington has spent, they've had that, they had that four game winning streak and then they've lost two now in a row. Um, you know, they got quarterbacks. Yeah, they uh, they, uh, they had the COVID, they had the COVID situation where they played a third string quarterback, got up ten nothing in that game, and then got run over. Uh, you got line, you know, defensive line. I don't know if you saw the clip, but uh, uh, the two defensive linemen arguing, and one does a right cross to the other guy's jaw. Um, Former it's, college teammates. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, you can see that. I mean that. That's that's you know whenever we're playing golf, sometimes I feel like just you know giving you one of those across the jaw. Quite a few uh, times this year, I'll bet, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you make me make make me putt that uh, that uh, one and a half footer uh, on that one hole, that's when I that's when I felt like this. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so that puts you know like well, that probably ends the Viking season because the Eagles. I can't see the Eagles losing that game. Yeah. Um, Vikings certainly are going to be underdogs uh, in where they're going. Uh, then the Eagles have, but then the Eagles flip around and the Eagles have the Cowboys at the end of the year. Cowboys probably are still playing for positioning and the Vikings theoretically come home for a layup against the bears. Now to me, uh, the absolute perfect, or not say perfect, but um, if you want to follow the script of how the season started, the season started, remember, with a false start. <laughs> uh, and it was like three false starts and like five snaps, you know, crazy start to the, to the season. And then you just up and down and up and down. You get to 500 uh, two times, I believe, after being two games below. You know, it's almost like it would be fitting. I'm not saying perfect. be fitting that if they have a heroic win prime time against the, the Packers, they're playing for the playoffs, and they lose to Nick Foles and uh, the Bears at home. Whew. That would be that would be a rough one. That'd be tough to take. Um, 
Uh, some surprising things. I mean, you talk about uh, the Eagles making a comeback. How about the Miami Dolphins lose the first seven and then win the next seven? First time in NFL history that's ever been done. Yeah, I mean, it, this is one of those teams uh, that uh, sort of like the uh, when Bobby Ross uh, took the Lions into the playoffs so after starting 0-4 one year, 0-4, 0-5. For the next 20 years, every time a team got to – 0-4, 0-5, Bobby Ross got a phone call from a reporter saying, how did you do it? How did you do it? Um, so this has one of those, you know, you're 1-7, and seven, now you're 8-7. If you make the playoffs and say you win a game, uh, it's going to be one of those where, you know, 20 years from now, you're going to be like, they're going to be saying, well, you know, what the, the here, here's the percentages, but there's this one team that made it after 1-7. and seven. Uh, You're seeing a lot of that. And you're, it's, you're also seeing examples of how, it's you know it's a one it's a one year turnaround league. Uh, last year, week three, Cincinnati and Philadelphia tie, twenty three twenty three. They both finished four eleven and one. Now Cincinnati's number three in the AFC. Philadelphia is a hot team and number seven in the NFC. So, you know what was up last year is down this year and vice versa. That's one reason why you like Zimmer has not, you can't afford to be down down because. You know, there's too many examples. Every I think it's for 30 some years now. There's been at least four teams make the playoffs that didn't make it the year before. So if you're missing the playoffs back to back years, and you've been around eight years, uh, that's that's what puts you on hot seats. There's a kind of an epic meltdown happening in Baltimore, which was the two uh, going for the the two-point conversion two times in a row and losing those two games and then losing another one, losing his quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, and they're, I think they're on a four-game slide and they're struggling. The Baltimore Ravens are struggling to get in the playoffs. And that's that's got to warm up the seat of old John Harbaugh a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he's been one of those guys that's kind of, uh, you know, he's been around a long time. I mean, a poor Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll makes the playoffs nine, ten years in a row. Now it looks like he's going to be out. It's, it's, it's tough. It's I mean, so it's it's a, it's a tough profession. <clears throat> if you get those eight to ten years, you better you better sprinkle in a Super Bowl there uh, and win it. Otherwise, uh, but and also Baltimore. I mean, look at the future going forward. Uh, that division, uh, Joe Burrow against the Ravens this year in two games, nine hundred and forty-one yards passing. You talk about fantasy numbers. If uh, there's going to be a time uh, here very soon, if it, if it wasn't already this year, where the Bengals, you know, with with uh, T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase, both under 23, Joe Burrow under he's 25. I mean, you talk about there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fantasy points in uh, in Cincinnati going forward. You know, that's a good point. You know, my son, who I played this week for in the semifinals, uh, played Stafford against me, but had Burrows on his bench. He would have cleaned my clock. Oh, oh my gosh! Yes. So this, I, I'll have to tell him that. I what was he? What was he thinking? Yeah. Based on how, how he, how, based on based on Baltimore and how they how they beat him the last time. Come on. He said, you know, he had thought about it, and then he just kind of spaced to make the change because he was going to do it. And I said, he he came home, so he sat there right beside me and just in agony as he watched the the game slip away. Um, that's fantasy football. Yeah. I, Another thing, I mean, you, I 
KC, sixth straight division for Andy Reid, longest streak in the NFL. Talk talked about what he's got going down there. I mean, they're they're my they're my uh, I, I'm a Kansas City fan from uh, for the rest of the year because they're the I feel like they're the only chance right now to beat Aaron Rodgers. They can't have the Packers win another damn Super Bowl, and, and that would be. I don't know. Go ahead, Dallas. Dallas might have something to say about the NFC. That's um, a good point. That's a good point, uh, but. Not in Lambeau, though, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kansas City, uh, the fascinating stat was they've won the last six uh, division titles. In 42 years before Andy Reid was hired, they won six division titles. So, uh, now this is why I think that uh, I'm not saying here, but somewhere. Uh, and I know I know Eric Bannaby doesn't call the plays, but I've sat and talked with Eric Bannaby. He's, he's an impressive guy. Um, he's not quite that Tomlin it factor, but, um, he played the game players relate to him. Uh, he has been front and center with Andy Reed and Andy Reed, uh, uh, talking to a story I did on the enemy. One of the super bowls was talking to Brad Childers just about how Andy Reed works, his assistants and works his room and how they put together a play sheet every single week, just how collaborative that is. Um, you know, Bianami's not calling the plays, but Bianami's is front and center for one of the, you know, the greatest coaches that we'll ever see and consistent coaches. And to me, if I'm, if I'm one of these teams that needs a coach, I'm seriously kicking the tires of Eric Bianami to see, you know, if he can bring that to, to my franchise. Wasn't he on Childress' staff here? Yeah. He was running backs coach. Yeah. Yeah. How come he? I mean, he, he's been mentioned in this way that you're talking about him mean, for the last three years at least as that that uh, uh, one of the up and comers that should 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 finally get the gig. And he keeps not he gets interviewed, you know, and I think we know why. And uh, but he never he never gets it over the top. What do you what do you think the reason is that he just hasn't got the job yet? Well, it's hard to speak for everyone, yeah, but I think a lot of it, you know, and children saw some of this. Now, the rules are getting, are getting relaxed a little bit about interviews, but when you're constantly in the playoffs and, and, and getting to the champion, AFC Championship game and Super Bowls, you know, there's just there's this, there's this sense of urgency that teams just can't wait and to get their guy in place. I think that have, plays a role in it, um, but uh, I think it's time – Probably time for one of these. If hey, let's put it this way: if Urban Meyer, which I think most of us would have pegged as this was a he he was he was in a, a big college fish in a or small college fish in a big pond, whatever whatever my yeah. cliche is. Uh, he he was in over his head and he was not going to succeed. I, I think I would have told you that and uh, probably wrote it in one of my NFL previews. Um, if he's getting a head coaching job, Eric Bianami should have a head coaching job. Uh, I would totally agree with you. Um, you. You sent me a note about the Bengals and the Eagles. They were 0-2 when they tied in week three a year ago. They both finished 4-11-1. Today the Bengals have the AFC's third seed and the Eagles have the NFC's seventh seed. What are your thoughts about that? I just, Joe, I just talked about it. You got dementia? Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, to, to me that's a good example of a – you know, you, you just you, – you, if you're down for one year, even if you're – you know, like the Vikings last year were – what's – I don't know what they were, seven and seven and nine, uh, you don't stay down. 
I mean, it's just this is a league that, bam, bam, you're, 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 if you're up, you're down. Um, the, the, the great teams stay consistent, um, but you really can't stay down for long unless you're just one of the dregs. If you're the Jaguars of the league and Jets, and but the Vikings are, you know, a team that's better than that, and you need more consistency. Mark, do you think I'm listening to you when we do this? Well, I mean, what what the heck? I, well, I, th- I think you're. Yeah, I think your dogs are in your in your head there. <laughs> Bumpuses. Um, all right. How about Houston beating the Chargers? Uh, was the, you said this was the 12th time this year a team beat an opponent that had four more wins? The Vikings have seven wins. The Packers have 12. Can the Vikings make it 13? Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot. We've seen great. You know, we've seen upsets like that all year long, and. I don't know where that ranks um, in NFL history, but you know you're just uh, and then you throw in COVID. You throw in throw in COVID, and I mean I'd hate to be a head coach today in today's game where you know you're sitting there on a on a Thursday morning in a, in a meeting and you go, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Dalvin is uh, Dalvin's on the list. Dalvin's unvaccinated, uh, so he has no chance of coming back for Sunday. So it's like you know. Uh, you know, careers, careers hang in the balance on this stuff. And, uh, you know, when you're sitting down and everyone's evaluating whether some so should go or not, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, on that Thursday, but when they needed to win a game, Dalvin Cook, their, you know, one of their best offensive players is out. And he, you know, I, I guess he can, he can be back in time for this game, but he may miss this game as well. Um, well, we, we have plenty of games that have a lot of stuff on the line this week coming up. Do you know what you're, what are you going to write on? Well, you're going to go cover the Vikings Packers game, but anything else? I, I, you didn't get your story with Zimmer because he didn't want to do it. What are you going to, you got anything going for Sunday or what's, what's, what's going on? Well, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just Packers. I mean, uh, one thing about the Packers this week is, um, that I thought was fascinating to, to write about, uh, kind of look into was, um, uh, they, you know, when we were talking about the hardest schedules, hardest schedule, hard, hardest schedules in the uh, NFL, the NFC North had like four of the top eight because they played the AFC North and the NFC West. You know, two best divisions of football last year, two best divisions in football this year. Uh, Packers went eight no against those teams, and the Packer and the rest of the NFC North went five seventeen and one. Detroit plays Seattle on. Uh, Sunday. So uh, kind of another reason why, you know, they're the best team in the league. And I think Aaron Rodgers, for me right now, is the, is the front runner for the MVP. I mean, to, to handle, you know, those two divisions the way he did, uh, they're, they lose three games. One of them was because he's on COVID. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a, it's a full field of candidates, but uh, you know, he's my MVP right now. I hope he takes the MVP trophy, doesn't get the uh, Lombardi trophy, and hightails it out of town because you, you just said it. When he doesn't play, then they don't win. So. Well, yeah, he, he'd be nuts, he'd be nuts to, to leave, but uh, if that's what he wants to do and they let him do it, then they're nuts too. So Yeah, I agree. Well, that's, that's about it. we got another big week of football coming in this week, the last week of the year. Uh, heading into uh, week 17 of the season, and we have an 18th week this year, so it's all kind of screwed up. But it's fun because there's so much on the line, and we will be back here next week to talk about it on my birthday, but we won't mention that. Um, so uh, 
I guess that's it going forward. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mike Wolden, behind the scenes for fun all season long with this. And uh, um, let's hope the Vikings grind out a win in Lambeau and and uh, Zim gets at least one more shot at uh, at at, uh, at uh, uh, and beats uh, Aaron Rodgers. That would be great. But uh, yeah, we'll see you back here next week. And until then, skull.